Hello, everybody, and welcome to Terror Talk. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Jack. She hasn't replaced me yet. No, of course not. Um, This guy is a train wreck. What guy, Kathy? We're going to be talking about uh, the Casanova, Casanova killer today, otherwise known as Paul John Knowles. Why do they always have three names? Well, I'm probably going to refer to him as either Knowles or PJK because his name Holy. is so goddamn. Damn long. <laughs> he also had uh, pseudonyms, pseudonyms, mm. Daryl Golden and Lester Daryl Gates. Okay, I mean, I can't. I, just the grandiosity. John Wilkes Booth. We had a <laughs> Henry Lee Lewis, Lucas, Lucas. We had a one of our Instagram followers a while back uh, had asked if we had ever talked about this guy, and we had not. So I thought, you know. Let's take the opportunity to not only give what our listeners want, <laughs> but also let's talk about someone new. We never talk about this. We've never talked about him before. Yeah, no, we, yeah. Have, we love a good idea. Yes. So a um, couple of different sources that I use to gather information. The, the two main sources wa- were uh, an article from Grunge called How the Casanova... Cas- I'm having a hard time with this. I want to <laughs> say Casanova. How the Casanova Killer Romanced His Victims to Death. And then the second one was a documentary I found on YouTube called Meet the Casanova Killer, called More Brutal Than Bundy. Yikes. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people were more brutal than Bundy. Bundy's shenanigans were mostly shenanigans like escaping and running around bundy is the anchor in which we use for all comparisons (laughs) and you and i've said this over and over he's not that interesting but there are some similarities between Knowles and bundy in the sense that they were both very good looking casanova killer and casanova killers i mean bundy could have been called that too that was part of his shenanigans (laughs) i would argue though and you'll see as we go through this that bundy was as impulsive as he was on his crime spree he just seemed a little bit more educated Mm -hmm. and uh even even Noel's attorney refers to him as an amateur. He probably could have gone on much longer. Before the end, he he compartmentalized it a lot. You're talking about Bundy? Yeah. 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 So PJK, mm. if you will. Oh, all right. Also known as I don't know if I can do that. The Casanova <laughs> killer. Was an American serial no. killer. Just kidding. <laughs> no. He was an American serial killer. <laughs> um, he was tied to the deaths of 18 people. Back in 1974, you'll come to find out if you don't know this already, that he went on a really brief spree. It was like 18 and then he was done. Wow. Like all at once. Okay. Though he claimed to have murdered 35 people. So he was named the Casanova killer because women were very seduced by his charm. Calling him a cross between Robert Redford and Ryan O'Neill. When I look at pictures of him, I don't see Robert Redford or Ryan O'Neill personally. Maybe more Ryan O'Neill. Certainly not Robert Redford. Okay. I don't know where they got that. (laughs) But like we know from most of these killers beneath this charm, the superficial charm, was someone very different. He was a cold-blooded killer. 
he had no pattern, which we'll talk about too. Like he was mm-hmm. one of those opportunistic, just impulsive hurricanes. Sure. Like who's your victim pool? I don't know. Anyone who fucking shows up. Anyone who crosses my path. He had no regard for anyone but himself, of course. Mm-hmm. And before he started murdering, he committed crimes all over the country, burglary and things like that. Okay. But it wasn't up to it. Yes. However, something happens, which I'll talk about that, that I think takes him to that next level. So in 1974 murder then went to the top of his agenda list. Mm. Yes. That only happens to me on Fridays. (laughs) I should say Mondays. Your agenda. So he murder part uh, of it. (laughs) Murder. So Knowles was born in Orlando, Florida on April 25th, 1946. To a family of seven. And these seven were living under one roof. Ugh. He was uh, very poor. Okay. Um, he spent his early life in foster homes. Well, it's a little, I mean, it's confusing because he did grow up with his family, but then a couple of things happened that moved him out of the home. But what we know is by the age of eight, he was committing petty theft. And he was first incarcerated when he was 19 years old. Um, he had kidnapped a police officer. That was like one of his crimes. I mean, th- this guy had like zero fucks to give. No, no empathy, no And like, I'm going to go remorse. kidnap a police officer. Yeah. Like you are like no consequences. You're Random. not. Yeah. So he would continue to cycle in and out of jail, even in his young adulthood before he started to murder Okay. While he was incarcerated, he began corresponding with a woman by the name of Angela Kovic. And she was a cocktail waitress in San Francisco, California, and they were just writing letters back and forth to one another. Okay. And the uh, Asheville Oral History Project reports that Angela became so enamored with Knowles that she hired an attorney to represent him and ultimately secured his early release. So she would use her, he would use her allegiance mm. and obsession with him to coerce her into marriage, get him out of prison, and then out to California. Okay. Okay. So he hasn't murdered yet. He's been in prison for other things at this point. So that happened. So although the relationship didn't last, Kovic's willingness to trust and fall in love with this convicted criminal mm-hmm. also demonstrates just really how charming he was. And we know we've seen this with other criminals. We saw this with the Night Stalker. He had sure. women all over him, right? Sure. As stated in an old headline, which was provided by the Toronto Sun, Knowles was described as tall, fair, handsome, with immaculate matter of comfortably rich Americans. So he was very suave and adept Mm-hmm. at conversing and seducing people into doing his bidding. Yeah. So, and I'll talk about Kovic a little bit later in more detail. Just, so following his split with Kovic, he returns to Florida and he promptly commits an aggravated assault. Oh. Mm. At this time, Kovic is, you know, bef- before, right before she splits with him, she visits a psychic who says, you are with someone who is very dangerous and you need to leave this person. Okay. 
So, and, and the psychic referred to this person as a tall, dark presence in her life. Mm-hmm. So Kovich at the time takes this advice. She's like, shit, that totally <laughs> describes who I'm with. And she breaks up with him. And I'll talk about this in the next episode when I get more into the psychology of these perpetrators, these okay. psychopaths. But this level of abandonment is what people believe really triggered PJK's crime spree. Mm-hmm alleging that he killed three people the evening that Kovic left him. Mm. So he was already a criminal. This happens. And now he's like, okay, you know what? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go fuck up the world. Yeah. Oh God. So this leads him back now to Florida where he, in, he engages in a very violent bar fight. He's just emotional. He's, he's reacting to this rejection. He also thought he had a meal ticket. He had someone who was going to make him infamous. And he, 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 um, gets out of this bar fight. You know, he's brawling. He gets out of it. He gets away due to his lock picking skills. He's able to get out of the situation, pick a lock and like take off. He must've been locked. He must've been in a situation where he couldn't get through a door. Like it was at the bar. Right. 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 So he, um, and then he takes off out of the bar and then this leads to his first documented kill oh, that okay. evening. Okay? okay. So the, the bar fight preceded these three kills. Makes sense. After this, he begins a nearly four-month killing spree that would leave 18 people dead. Angela Kovic, you really fucked this guy up. So he had a very odd way that he went about his killings. Um, Like I was saying at the very beginning, not only did he kill, he would then use their belongings, not in a trophy-like way. He would use their belongings to move into his next phase of crazy. So it's like, okay, okay. I'm going to go kill Shannon. Then I'm going to take her ID and her car. And then I'm going to go use that. to Right? So he was also like this opportunist. I was going to say. Jesus. So a report by Murderpedia, they said that the Casanova killer murdered his first victim on the same evening he escaped from prison. He breaks into the home of 65-year-old Alice Curtis. Knowles bounds and gags this woman while he ransacks her home. After this, he then gets in her car, leaves her to die alone in her home, where she chokes to death on her own dentures after he gags her. What an awful, awful, awful way to die. That's awful. And then her son finds... awful? Awful. (laughs) Times five. We both said awful. I know. (laughs) But then um, her son finds her body the next morning, but no prints are found at the scene. And remember, we did the episode on DNA. So prints were hard to come by and DNA was not yet being used, but they didn't find anything. Right. He steals Curtis's Dodge dart. And on his way to abandoning the car, he comes across two girls, Lily and Maya Anderson, ages 11 and seven. So in his paranoid state, he abducts them to eliminate witnesses. Right. Like what is an 11 and a seven year old going to do? First of all, But I guess that he's like, you saw me. Something's up. I'm stealing you. Throws him in the car. Not only does he abduct them, he ends up raping and murdering the girls, disposing them in a nearby swamp and moving on to his next kill. So this guy is not even in like, I'm looking for a certain victim. I'm just in a rage. Right. And anything that could be getting in my way, I'm going to get rid of. Okay. So over the next 15 weeks, he travels to Florida, 
Georgia, Texas, Connecticut, and Nevada. So the channel 13 WAMAZ reports, this is where they noted him to be. In addition to stealing cars and credit cards, he's now starting to use his good looks and charming demeanor to lure these unsuspecting victims to a brutal death. So here are just a few of his murders to see how close in time he was to each one, how random the victims were, and how far he drove between victims. I don't get the feeling he had anything else to do. It gets better. You'll see why he does this in a moment. Okay. Okay. So on August 2nd of the same year, he goes after victim Marjorie Howe, who's 49 years old. Her television was then stolen. And she was found strangled to death. So he goes in, strangles her, takes her TV, leaves. Okay. Okay. (laughs) End of the month, August 23rd, PJK breaks into Kathy Sue Pierce's home in Georgia. Now he's in, she's, he's in Georgia. Oh, okay. Strangles her, but leaves her three-year-old son unharmed. And this poor three-year-old little boy had to watch the entire thing happen. Mm. He then moves on. And a man by the name of William Bates is seen with, they identified him as a redheaded man on September 3rd, 1974 in a club in Ohio. Now he's in Ohio. Bates was reported missing by his wife. Bates' vehicle was missing and his naked body was found strangled and abandoned in the woods that October. Wow. So there was some suspicion that, here's the thing about the seventies. They're like, he, he may have been gay. It's like, no, he was just a psychopath and didn't have an orientation. He was an opportunist. Right. So he screwed or raped or messed with or whomever was there in my opinion. Okay. So that same September while driving Bates's car, PJK kills two elderly campers, Emmett and Lois Johnson while he's back in Nevada. So it's like, there's no rhyme or reason. No. Okay, so now I'm going to go into one that's a little bit more of the one that he was really known for because mm-hmm. of who his victim was. So in 1974, when when uh, JPK would have been about 28 years old, he was going under the alias of Daryl Golden at the time. And a woman by the name of Sandy Fox, F-A-W-K-E-S, walks into a Holiday Inn bar on November 7th of the same year. So Fox had a remarkable background She was first found as a baby in the Grand Union Canal and moving from foster, she moved from foster home to foster home. She had suffered profound abuse. So had somewhat of a similar abusive, right? She never really knew her true identity. Um, Her birth was registered in 1929 and presumably an approximation because they didn't know for sure. Mm. She studied at uh, Camberwell School of Art She married a cartoonist and had four children with him. The first child would die of SIDS. And the the grief was so profound for her that it just piled onto the childhood trauma that she had numbed herself from. Yeah. Already a very vulnerable person, probably lacking a really secure sense of who she was and just, you know, very susceptible to certain things. Yeah. Impressionable, whatever. Mm -hmm. So Fox threw herself into her education and she was self-made. She became a fashion editor for Vanity Fair and the Daily Sketch. In the 1970s, she was a feature writer for the Daily Express and she learned to really drink to numb the pain, like many people with drama too. Absolutely. So she was in town for work 
And in the bar, she noticed Knowles and really was not impressed with his style choices. Oh, She's like, what the fuck is he wearing? <laughs> Um, surprisingly, moments later, he walks over and asks her to dance. Okay. First of all, weird. Yeah. Like, buy the lady a drink first. Yeah. She initially denies it, but then she sees that he's really disappointed and feels really rejected. So what does a person with no boundaries and doesn't know how to assert their own needs do? People pleasing. Comforts him and introduces herself and mm. admits to being an out-of-town journalist and had to go to work. Okay. So he's like, just stay and have a drink. And she's like, I can't. I'm actually just got in town. I need to go do some work. So she comes back to the pub that evening. And well, wow, he's still there. No. And guess what she does? She agrees to have a dance with him now. Oh, no. I'll dance with you now. Oh, Lordy. Daryl Golden. <laughs> so he discovers that she's on her way to West Palm Beach uh, the next day. So he's like, hmm. Okay, I could go there. Guess what? I can drive you there because I'm going to Miami. Because I ain't got nowhere else to be. Yeah, he's full of shit. He wasn't. So he says he's going to Miami. So to her, you know, he seems like this experienced traveler. He knows Florida. He's, you know, and as a journalist, (laughs) she's like, well, this would save me a lot of time. I wouldn't have to take the train. I wouldn't have to run a car. He knows where he's going. Why not? It's 1970s. We all get in cars with strange people in 1970s. Oh, yeah. 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 Within hours, they're having an affair, which would last three days. Days later, Sandy Fox, F-A-W-K-E-S, would realize that this was the worst decision of her life for a number of reasons. She says not only was the sex with Noel's Bizarre and unsatisfying. Oh, boy. He would begin to tell her that he had visions of a shortened life. He would say, of Sandy, I... Life. No, of his. Okay. Yeah, 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 right? <laughs> okay. So he's, Sandy, I, I haven't got long to live. Mm. I'm going to be killed mm. soon. It might be in two days or in two months. I don't know when. Within a year, I shall be dead. Oh, I'm going to be Christ. killed by someone, end quote. <sighs> he was also determined that, that she write a book about him. They've known each other for 72 hours, and he's like, you need to write a book yes, about me. This is what we call the love bombing of a yes. narcissist. Yes. He also, at this time, shares that he has secret tapes that are locked away in his lawyer's vault. But he won't tell her what's on the tapes. At this time, the news is like popping up. (laughs) And there's a murder spree happening all over the country. But Fox isn't putting any of this together. She doesn't know anything about this till she reads the morning paper. And there's no reason for her to believe it's Knowles, who was going by Daryl at this time, first of all. Daryl Golden. So she needs to go to West Palm Beach and she's like, clearly he's not the murderer. He's here with me. He's not murdering me. Yeah. And did not pay attention to the assertion that he did have friends in the area in which the murders were taking place. She, I mean, why would you really put that together? No, you wouldn't. So Knowles, and I'll come back to this later, but although Knowles was shot to death by police, that is how he ends up dying. He did leave a log recording of the details of his murders on secret tapes left to his lawyer. So when his crime spree began in 1974, he would rape, strangle, and slay victims and then take on the identity of many. He was an amateur. 
his attorney believed that if he would have been more organized, he probably would have continued to do this right. much longer. Um, he was described as a guy who couldn't stay out of jail. He wanted infamy, but notoriety never followed him. He recorded these confession, confessions. So after five months on the run, he shot and killed. So there was one victim who escaped Knowles, and her name was Barbara Abel. And she and her sister were living together when PJK showed up to their house. And she admitted that if she would have met him in a nightclub, she would have gone out with him. She's like, sure. You know, he was a good looking man. On November 14th, 1974, she knew something was incredibly wrong. He's standing behind her in the house. He says, don't turn around or I'll shoot you. So what does she do? She turns around and finds her sister in her bedroom gagged with blood coming out of her mouth. And her sister was, she, she had cerebral palsy and Barbara was doing everything she could to get uh, Knowles out of the house. So he's like, okay, I'm going to take you 60 to 70 miles north of West Palm Beach. I don't think he really said the miles, but he right. took her that far. Okay. So she's like, whatever to save my sister, I'm going to do it. So he tells her to pretend to the hotel staff that they're married and he rapes her over and over. But just like Fox had said, it didn't even feel like rape. She, she literally said, this is her quote, it didn't even feel like rape because he wasn't normal. He was trying but couldn't do anything. He was impotent. When he tied me up, he made it really loose. He didn't realize he left the keys on the nightstand. Mm. So I got myself loose. And it wasn't 15 minutes later that I was taken like a criminal to the Fort P Pierce police station I thought I had to help him because I thought he had only killed one person and was just really sick and needed help. I had no idea how many people he had murdered. He wanted to be famous. So this is in line with like what Fox had said. You know, he wanted to be famous. I fell in love with him for maybe an instant mm -hmm. and did whatever I needed to do. Knowles had taken off in her car and was on the run. Oh, boy. So he was able to get into cars with people, even men. He would steal the car, get pulled over, run from the police. Knowles ended up kidnapping two men one evening, um, a state trooper and a businessman. So like he, he it didn't, again, like he, it was just very, very random. He's such a mess. He's a total mess. And Fox, who, who later on, I'll talk about some of the things that she said when she had this little rendezvous with him because she, she wasn't killed by him. Um, it was just a very strange affair. So in his tapes, he wanted his crimes to become known and the proceeds would go to his mother. Here comes okay. the delusions and the grandiosity. The mothers. Uh, he, he had this infinite love for her and believed that he would, she would make a lot of money from these tapes. So nobody ever even got to hear these tapes. They ended up being water damaged, okay. which left very little chance of getting into the, the mind of the serial killer, which is why Sandy Fox's book that she ends up writing on him right. before she dies ends up being um, really important because she was one of the only pieces of information that we had. Okay. So at the same time, he also, even though the tapes were ruined, he did leave letters and drawings of his obsessions and accounts of the women that he supposedly loved, including Sandy Fox. And she was a journalist, like I had talked about before. And, and so, you know, she was the closest he got to getting this fame that he wanted. Sure. So she ends up writing a book later called um, Natural Born Killer about her experience those few days with him. 
She passed away in 2005, but through her book, um, her time spent with Knowles is clearly documented. And she said, I will never know for certain whether he would have killed me that last night. The, the one when I say goodbye so determinedly, his pattern was to kill approximately every 10 days and he had fulfilled it by the weekend. I learned a little of Noel's life. He had been institutionalized from the age of eight. A stolen bicycle led him to a lifetime of foster homes, reformatories, and prison. He learned to live the harsh way to lie, cheat, and steal, end quote. So a court-appointed psychologist ends up speaking with Knowles before his death. And in the, in the next episode, I'm going to be getting into his mental health and his childhood a little bit okay. to talk about some of the things that were planted early on that played a big part in the development of this personality. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's, it's pretty nutty. That's awful. He was, but you know, like you, you were saying earlier, I mean, he really was incredibly disorganized. He was just running from place to place. We'll talk about it in the next episode. It sounds like of why that is like how, how that developed and why he was so disorganized and all over the place as opposed to others. Yeah. Who are organized. Well, well, you'll see like his, um, level of education and just he being institutionalized from such a young age, Mm -hmm. I think there were major cognitive deficits mm-hmm. and emotional deficits that just didn't give him the same mm-hmm. trajectory as some of these other guys we've talked about. Yeah. The executive functioning and, and exactly. all that was not online. That's right. Super primitive. He was mm. and okay. not at all uh, picky about no. his victims. <laughs> no, no. Wasn't really about that. I feel like it wasn't about others at all. Like there was something else he was getting from it. So we'll talk about that in the next episode. Thank you for that setup, Kathy. You're so very welcome, yes. Shannon. And we <laughs> we will continue in part two. Thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.